Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Williams. Join me as we explore the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur and discuss a wide range of military history topics from the American Civil War to the Korean War. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Amanda Williams, and I'm joined as always by Jim Zobel. And we've got a great topic today. Even historians who absolutely loathe General MacArthur all tend to agree that his occupation of Japan was MacArthur at his best. But most people don't realize how much was happening in just that first month of the occupation, September 1945. They don't realize how much could have gone wrong in that very first month and how deftly MacArthur was managing a very, very fluid situation. September 1945, I think for MacArthur, is just a tour de force of organizational ability. It is a masterclass in leadership. And of course, as always, because it's MacArthur, there's some controversy there as well. And we're going to talk about all of that today. Now, Jim, September 2nd, 1945, MacArthur accepts the surrender of the Japanese aboard the USS Missouri. And I think a lot of people tend to think that he got a little bit of R&R after that ceremony, but that is not the case. Can you lay out the first few weeks of the occupation and what he's doing? Well, it's like you said, very busy. And um, uh, MacArthur in September of 45, you know, the first part and then the second part, he's doing basically three things, which is freaking everybody out. I mean, the Japanese are going nuts because they're being occupied and they're having every kind of reform thrown at them within the first two weeks. And then the last two weeks, MacArthur's freaking out all the allies and he's freaking out everybody in Washington just by what he's doing, you know, by establishing um, how Japan is going to be. Before he goes in there, um, State War Naval Coordinating Committee had created what was called Swing 150-4. And this was basically MacArthur's directive, which he gets right before he goes in. They're going to demilitarize everything, um, demobilize all the army, uh, get rid of all those who've had militaristic tendencies, uh, try and foment some kind of democratic movement. They want to know every single thing about the Japanese. You're going to have directives coming in that first week, you know, all your financial capabilities, all your foodstuffs, all your dental supplies, all your uh, health and welfare supplies, everything. They want to know every single thing about Japan. As well, in those first three days, he uh, MacArthur issues general order number one, uh, directive two, directive three. This is how all of the Japanese forces, almost seven million around the Pacific, are going to surrender, who they'll surrender to, what is considered material that needs to be surrendered. And then, uh, you know, how they're going to get them all back to the United States, because MacArthur has control of Japan and Korea. But like Chang in China will take Formosa and and troops in, in China. In Manchuria, they'll go to the Soviet Union. So there's all these different elements that are taking control of these uh, various Japanese surrenders. And MacArthur is in control of all of that. The first day he's there after the surrender, he calls Shigemitsu to come meet him. Shigemitsu is the foreign minister who signs the declaration of surrender on, on the Missouri. And uh, he goes to see him. He's at the Yokohama Hotel. He'll go stay at the Sun Oil um, residence in Yokohama for a couple of weeks before he moves to uh, uh, Tokyo for that. But Shigemitsu comes and meets him. MacArthur doesn't know what the Japanese 
are going to do, you know, how they're going to accept this. In the Swink 150-4, you know, his directive for uh, how he's going to run Japan, uh, it said work through the Japanese government, work through their machinery. And MacArthur goes in but doesn't know that. So that first meeting with Shigemitsu, he's like, okay, we're only going to use military yen currency. We're going to do every business transaction in English. Uh, and we're going to set up courts. And if anybody doesn't do anything we say, we're going to try them, you know, put them in jail, probably execute them. And the Japanese just freak out, you know, Shigemitsu, uh, basically. And uh, the next day, he's like, I, I got to have a meeting with you. So on the third, he goes to see him. And, he's, and he says to MacArthur, you know, we'll do everything you say. Um, you know, you let us run the demobilization of the army because there's still two million Japanese troops just around Tokyo itself. And the government says, we're going to, you know, follow along everything that, that you want us to do. And uh, so MacArthur says, all right. And uh, they sh they do. They start demobilizing. Uh, the problem is, is that, you know, in those first couple of days, you've only got, you know, 10, 20,000 troops and you've got millions of Japanese there. And so MacArthur is not doing a lot of the directives to change everything immediately because he's waiting to get security there. He's waiting to get the 6th Army in, 8th Army in. All these Japanese ports are mined. They have to you know, send in all the minesweepers to clear them out before they can get everybody in there. And once MacArthur gets all those troops in there, uh, that's when he starts feeling like, OK, I can start taking a lot of moves where they'll get rid of the Imperial Japanese headquarters. They'll just deal with the, the war and Navy ministries. And then they just deal with the generals of the first and second army in Japan, and they'll deal directly with uh, sixth and eighth army. And the Japanese do, they demobilize themselves. They turn over everything. They'll be finding caches of weapons, you know, for the next year, but they're gonna move in troops through September, October to, to get this thing taken care of as well. Uh, then they start hitting them. We want to know everything about your financial institutions. We want to know all the foreign nationals there. We want to know everything about your banking. We want to know everything about your economy. What kind, you know, everything about everything. Um, just totally intrusive uh, upon uh, establishing what is going to happen. And, you know, we say that MacArthur doesn't take any R&R, &R, but he doesn't have any meetings between the 3rd and the 12th you got to figure they just finished World War II. He hadn't had a, a day off since then. So, I mean, there's all the message traffic going back and forth to Washington constantly, them telling them these are the directives for how you change the government. These are the directives for how you'll change the financial institutions. These are the directives for how you'll demilitarize everything. MacArthur as well has a, you know, all of his World War II guys coming in there. So he's got a well-oiled machine. Everybody has their orders. They know exactly where they're going. They know exactly what they're going to have to do. Um, but it's a lot of feeling out with the Japanese of, of, of how this is going to go through. So in that, in that first couple of weeks, it's basically everybody feeling each other out. Um, MacArthur knows you're going to have the conservative uh, former Japanese hierarchy that's going to want to keep their power. You know, they're going to they're, you know, the, the royalty and everything. And so it's it's really a lot of of feeling out and MacArthur uh, wanting to get all those troops in before he really starts hammering them with all these directives and everything, which is going to come in that second half of September where uh, they start saying all oh, you military are out. They start arresting war criminals. They go after Tojo on the 11th. And so it, it, it's in those first two weeks, it's getting everything set up security wise. And once they've got that, then he's just going to he's going to start going after after everybody. OK, so then take us into the 
next, the final two weeks of September. Well, that's where he starts freaking out everybody in Washington and the Allies. Because the thing is, is, is when MacArthur meets with Shigemitsu on the 3rd and tells him, OK, you know, you'll work this out. Shigemitsu starts telling people, oh, we're negotiating, you know, with the Japan, with the America. And um, immediately after that gets out, Washington sends MacArthur you know, reiterations of directives. This is not a contractual uh, arrangement. They are there at the behest of that, the sufferance of you. You control all 80 million. You tell them what to do. And MacArthur knows that, you know, and that's what he said in the initial uh, surrender speech on uh, September 2nd. That's what he said in, in the in the in the general orders, you know, that it's about getting that security first. And so come to the second two weeks, the first thing MacArthur does is he puts out a press release because everybody's saying you're taking a kid gloves approach. You're not being harsh with it. You know, they want they want him to go in there and start hanging people on the on the second and third day that he's there. Right. And so on the 14th, he has to release this uh, statement that says, look, this is not a kid gloves policy. We're doing everything that the allies have told us to do. There is no contractual obligation, but I, we had to establish a uh, security first. And that's what I told you all in the, you know, the two September broadcast that that happened there. But then as well, MacArthur just starts uh, doing what he does, you know, sticking the foot in the mouth. Uh, Robert Wood, who's a former classmate in uh, West Point, writes MacArthur on September 4th and say after World War II, all the people back home want all the troops to come home. They want demobilization for American troops. And uh, Truman administration doesn't want to do that because they've got all these obligations in the occupation of Germany, occupation of Japan. Um, they had, After the end of the war in Germany, they have been able to hold it off because they still had Japan going. But then Robert E. Wood, uh, who, who's like Ron Sears and Robach, this guy, uh, uh, Phil LaFollette, who had worked on MacArthur's uh, public relations crew in World War II, was also like a three-time governor of, of um, Wisconsin. And they write MacArthur and say, look, the government is going to say that they can't send troops home because they need them for you in Japan. You know, they're going to lay this on your shoulders. So on the 17th of September, MacArthur issues this press release that says, I'm not going to need you know, a half million, you know, a million troops. We're going to need maybe, you know, in six months, a half million at the most, you know, at least 200,000 troops. Well, this starts messing with all the allies, with everybody, because now they're saying he is taking a kid gloves approach. You know, look how he's wanting to weak what they're, what weaken, you know, the control that they have. As well, uh, Marshall, the chief of staff of the army, sends him a, a a message Nick say you've put us in an impossible position we've been negotiating with congress for months about keeping these troop levels high now you've got all the allies coming at us because of this and macarthur sends it back well i had no intention of doing that even though we know about the robert e wood and the la Follette letters and what he says to to wood Appert. as well on that 17th when macarthur releases that Truman sends him an invitation to come home, have a big parade, welcome him like they did with Eisenhower and everybody else. And MacArthur sends back, I'm too busy. You know, I've, I've got all this going on over here. And, uh, and, as, and he did really, because, you know, they're starting to really clamp down with, with uh, the censorship because of those statements by Shigemitsu. Um, you've really got the uh, harsher um, uh, initiatives going into the government. And so MacArthur, and, but I think it's just MacArthur taking his measure. And this is the first broadside that leads to the MacArthur uh, Truman stuff in Korea. 
you know, as well as with Dean Atchison. And even uh, Marshall, when he sends that message to me, he says, look, man, you're going to need to coordinate your your messaging with the War Department. And they'll still be saying that to him, you know, five years later. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so yeah. It, it, it's and then the, the Russians start going crazy because they want to throw Hirohito on trial as well as the Australians and and the, the Soviets, even though they would only been in the war since the last week of the war, they want full control in Japan as well. And that was the, one of the main reasons why Truman picked MacArthur, because he was like, you know, they're not going to push him around. And right. as you and I know, when Derevyenko comes to see MacArthur, he's like, well, we're just going to put a division in Hokkaido and says, MacArthur, well, the first troop that lands here, I'm slapping you in irons and I'm putting you in the in the lowest dungeon I can find in Japan. And, and you know, Derevyenko was like, good God, I think you would, you know. And so, uh, MacArthur is able to, to keep out all these elements, but because of all those statements of, about troop levels, and then um, they're saying he's not going, you know, full force after the war criminals, which he is, uh, then they want, you know, a, a, a policy-making role as well. And that's what's going to lead to the Far East Advisory Commission and the Far East Commission, uh, which will kind of control policy as, as things go on through the years. And so that that first month, they've they've gone in, they've liberated all the prisoner of war camps, you know, by almost September 15th. They've got a million Japanese demobilized by September 15th. You've got millions of American troops moving in. You've got Sixth uh, Army in Kyoto and Eichelberger in Yokohama. They're working out with the Japanese uh, to get rid of them. Um, you've still got four million troops overseas and the the Soviets will keep two million of them as you know slaves, basically. Uh, and so it's a it's it's a feeling out period. It's MacArthur uh, trying to get things established, um, and and luckily he just has that that well-oiled machine that was ready to go. I think they had something like three hundred military government personnel that had trained back in the states at UVA and all these schools, and they were already there uh, getting policy ready in Manila, but then MacArthur doesn't need them because the Japanese worked through them. So half of those guys go over to 24th Corps in Korea and the other half will stay in, in Japan, and then they'll work as MacArthur sets up all these different SCAP things, because at that first part, he's just running through his regular army you know, personnel, G1, G2, uh, G3, and G4 staff set up, and that, that's how they're, they're controlling everybody. So it's a it's a lot of trepidation on both sides, but I think after MacArthur gets you know all the troops there, he's not worried about telling the Japanese what to do at all. And it's that second part of the month when he meets Hirohito. Right. Yeah. And and that was the things in the the when Shigemitsu first goes to meet MacArthur, he's going there to talk about the emperor. You know, what are your plans? What's going to happen? And in the MacArthur's directives, he's told, you know, you're not going to do anything to the emperor unless you tell us first, you know, we're going to decide what goes on with that. You know, so, I mean, people saying that, you know, that he had full control of everything. Now, the, you know, the allies are telling him what to do. But when Shigemitsu goes to see him, he's like, how are you going to receive the emperor? And the thing is, then Shigemitsu resigns on the 19th of September. And that's when Shigeru Yoshida comes in, you know, the great Japanese politician. And the first day Yoshida goes to see him, he's like, uh, you know, do you want to meet with the emperor? You know, is that would that be OK? And, you know, that's what MacArthur knew was going to happen. All those people were telling him the whole time, you get him in here, you got to show him what's what. And MacArthur's like, no, he's going to come see me in his own time. And he did, you know, and, and so 27th of, of September, uh, 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 Hirohito shows up. 
you know, and, and they have the picture that's very famous and MacArthur uses that as a, a propaganda tool. And um, I think, you know, by the 30th September, they've got most of the army demobilized. You've got most of the troops moved in and uh, you've now uh, disestablished Imperial Japanese headquarters and you'll be getting rid of the war and, and Navy ministry soon as well. What about humanitarian aid? Does any of that come into play in that first month or is that later? Well, they had foodstuffs that they brought for the occupation forces. And MacArthur even says on that kid gloves policy, you know, we're not going to be able to bring in any more. Uh, and that was the thing. The Japanese were on their own. Not one penny was going in to rebuild them. Uh, the allies were on the, under the thing is you're going to have to do this for yourself. You brought this on yourself. Uh, now, uh, when they get into wintertime and it gets really bad, that's when MacArthur starts saying, you know, uh, you better send me a lot of food or we're going to have a big problem. Um, right. Know, and, and, and I think I think, you know, as it gets not part of the first month, but that that's going to be the main thing that's that seals the deal between MacArthur and the Japanese. You know, they'll, they'll know he's not there just to crush them. Right. So what would your assessment of September 1945 be? I mean, how important is that one month in terms of the rest of the occupation? Well, I think it sets up the the machinery of how they'll work things uh, between the Japanese and the Americans. I think it's made very well known to them what the Americans expect. Uh, I think it's going to, you know, because of those statements MacArthur makes, um, and Truman was really pretty great about it because uh, when they, they said, hey, MacArthur says you only need these troops. And, and Truman was like, well, that's good, you know, because that means then we'll probably be able to bring home, you know. So he uses it for his own advantage. And when he goes to the allies uh, because of those statements, he gets them placated by saying we'll set up this Far East Advisory Commission. And so I, I think, you know, a lot of the things work out in that sense. They'll have, you know, uh, unlimited amount of problems pulling this thing off. Uh, it'll be criticized widely throughout. Uh, um, but I think they, they they get the inner workings of how it's going to go through and, and uh, manipulate itself uh, established. And as well, I think it becomes that separation of MacArthur from Washington. You know, they're going to go to Germany, the, the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, uh, Secretary of War, you know, and the, all, you know, 13, 14 times, nobody goes to see MacArthur. Because it's like everything's going fine out there. Leave him on his own, and that's you know that's probably the worst thing that can happen. Because then you know MacArthur's you know really you know that I'm in I'm in control of the whole Pacific. They don't come see me, and you know uh, they they leave me to decide what I'm doing, and that's going to cause most of the troubles when when you get into Korea. Right. I always feel like that September 1945 is it gives you a glimmer of what might have been between Truman and MacArthur. You know, there's that little disagreement, um, yeah. but then there's a sense that, hey, we can get along, we can work together. But then that almost radio silence for years, you know, no, no high level people coming out, nobody looking over MacArthur's shoulder in that very public, overt yeah. way. And I think that's where it just starts to kind of diverge again. And But September that month would have been where that. And, you that know, you think about it um, with with the occupation, you know. All the things that MacArthur does, they're just radio directives. You know, nobody's coming out and Washington saying, this is the way you're going to do it. This is how it's going to happen. I mean, he's got those military, you know, but a lot of this stuff is in his head. I right. mean, because the, the things, you know, when they send him the official directive of, of Swank 150-4 on 28 August, when he's in Okinawa about to go in, he had talked to people, you know, well before this about what they were going to do. And he's almost right in line. 
And when they, when you, you know, when the people say, oh, well, they just told him, well, they didn't tell him he had to uh, give women the right to vote. They didn't tell him, you know, a lot of these civil rights things that he was going to, that was all in his head before, you know, this is going to have to, and like when Kanoye, the the former royal, you know, prime minister of, of Japan comes to see him, says, oh, it was the militarists that let us down this road. And, you know, we couldn't do anything. MacArthur says, yeah, there's something to that, but there's a lot going to change. You know, and I think he just, you know, MacArthur's, I think he's smart enough to know what has to be done. And because he had also been in, in World War I, occupied Germany, and he, he knew he couldn't take this harsh approach because all that occupation did was turn a bunch of Germans into a bunch of Nazis. And he, you know, and then they had to pay for it later. And so, he, you know, when all these people are saying, screaming at him, he's like, look, man, we're not going to go through that again. And so I, I think that's a lot that that guides him, you know, that failed uh, German occupation. That brings me to my next question, then. Um, and you and I, we talked to a lot of um officers and they're always amazed that MacArthur didn't have much of a professional military education um, after West Point and after a brief stint in kind of engineering school. They're they're amazed that he wasn't at a military staff college, that he didn't spend a lot of time on a general staff. He almost didn't need that. But where is the skill in administration coming from? He's got an incredible amount of ability. I mean, even people that can't stand him, you know, the guy's got a computer brain. You know, he can process things and compartmentalize them in his head like no one I've ever known about. I mean, yeah, there's all the goofy stuff about MacArthur, but that is what he is. And he always said everything's about preparation. And that's what I mean. Sixth Army, Eighth Army coming in there, the Navy coming in there. Everybody knows what they have to do. Everybody's ready for for what they're going to you know, come in and do once they get there. He's and he's got a lot of capable people working for him. Uh, Walter Kruger and, and uh, Robert Eichelberger, you know, these guys are are brilliant at what they do. They are massive organizers. They are planners themselves. And so uh, you can you can say it's a lot of, you know, MacArthur's just natural ability and and uh, and capability to study things. But it's also, you know, you've got a machine that's been working together for four years already and is is well oiled and very much prepared for for a lot of things. And so I I think that MacArthur is just able to once again put together a good team, um, you know, and, and he'll be criticized heavily and they do a lot of things that are wrong. But overall, you know, Japan was put on a level platform to raise itself up after the war. Now, we're also often told that most of the American service academies don't want to produce another MacArthur. In fact, try to go out of their way maybe to, to not kind of encourage that sort of character to develop um, in, a, in future officers. Now, I think we understand some of the trepidation there. But in terms of some of his greatest qualities, some of these things that we've been talking about today, do you think it's a mistake maybe not to try to nurture that kind of leader, or is is it not possible to make someone like that? I mean, did we break the mold with MacArthur? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know a lot about the modern military. Um, I, I mean, we know that in Vietnam, it came down to micromanagement of, you know, operations, of campaigns. And a lot, you know, a lot of that was because they didn't want 
that Korean War scenario to play out. You know, you think about the days of Admiral Dewey. You know, when he goes into Manila Bay, the first thing he does is cut the cable back to Washington because he doesn't want a bunch of people, you know, interfering with what he's doing. And MacArthur is that way, too. It's like, you know, you've trained us, you've done, told us, you know, how we have to be. And I think there's a lot of personal initiative in those people from before. I think that that, you know, not so much nurtured, but that's just the way it was because of bad communications. You know, you had to trust these people that were in these positions. Today, you've got rapid communications and you can say something, you know, overnight uh, to somebody. You know, is that problematic? Well, I think we've seen that it is in a lot of different situations. But I, we do know that the service academies at one place, especially, are trying to cancel it because of things that were because he had a girlfriend that was. 30 years younger than he was. So in that sense, yeah, we know that, but, you know, I don't, I don't know how, you know, tightly generals are, are held on to, or, you know, today or anything, you know, cause we do, you know, no histories have been really written of them. You know, we know about things in Vietnam, but um, I don't know anymore, you know. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts on, the legacy, the importance of September 1945? The volume of things. I, I mean, and people will probably say, gosh, you guys left out so many things. And that's the truth because there's, I mean, you and I could sit here for four days and go over every detail and, you know, weird thing that happened and, and you know, just the volume of events, you know, so to speak, and the volume of criticism you know that's just coming at him it's gonna it's gonna last for you know the, the whole rest of his life so yeah interesting times and a interesting people all right well thank you jim thank you thank you for listening if you have questions suggestions or comments we want to hear from you you can find us on twitter at macarthur1880 on facebook as the general douglas macarthur memorial or you can email MacArthurMemorial at Norfolk.gov.